Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back for episode 30 of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. Episode 30, because we're not starting over. We're just going to continue off into the sun. Uh, who wore 30 that we care about? Senor Ryan. What the hell is that? Uh, Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. Yeah, Nolan Ryan is... I mean, he's Texas. Texas, but also kind of... Very, he played on a lot of teams. Yeah, he did. Compiler? Too many, was too he a compiler? Many, too Just many teams. Stats compiler? Yeah. I think he had seven no-hitters. <laughs> oh, four no-hitters, sorry. Crazy attitude. Didn't want to get into a fist fight with him. All-time strikeout leader, but like ERAs were never amazing. A thing. A uh, <laughs> compi- little bit of a compiler. Just hung around a long time and struck everybody out, which is... Phenomenal. Before it was cool. Right. Well, it was cool, but not like it is today. We're just... Everybody's averaging a K per nine. 31 is going to be interesting. I'm into 31. But we're on 30. We'll save it for next time. So on today's show, kind of a big show, I think. Huge. Well... Let's not get expectations too high. International Signing Day has come. That's and gone. Huge. That was July 2nd. So we're recording this on Saturday, July 6th. So July 2 signing day. There's still a few guys available. International free agents. Get your but, get your get your prizes. <laughs> but we got a few. Pottery's got a few. Calling this hashtag Preller Christmas. Hmm. This is where Preller does his damage, is International Signing Day. Look at 2016. 2016 was the year. Preller went so insane in 2016 that him, well, him and a few other guys, but I think mostly Preller, spent so much money in 2016 on international guys and spent so much on, like, overage taxes that MLB basically had to change the rules to, like, limit spending. It went right. it went insane. Lower the mound. <laughs> Not applicable to this conversation. But uh, same theory. Still, still calling it Preller Christmas. Make it happen. Also on today's show. I've had to do some inner reflection. This oh. one this one hurts a little. Okay. Are we done with hedges? Am I done with basically am I done with hedges? I don't know if I'm on team hedges anymore. He's turning 27 in August. He's a beautiful man. Defensively, we know how elite he is. We're going to get into that how elite he is, but offensively, dear god, he's been bad. <laughs> dear Barbara. Uh we're also talking historic homers. Okay. Locally. So I mean, it's been a crazy year for home runs anyway. Huh. And I don't think this is going anywhere, but we're talking Padres specifically Padres totals, individual guys. Can I compare that to past years? I mean, the big home run hitters, the steroid era was, we had Greg Vaughn for a brief time. <laughs> and then probably the other outstanding home run hitter that I can even think of, like Phil Nevin had a couple good years. Klesko was always a guy Hall of Fame uh, bat twirl flip guy, I think, in Padres history. And then Adrian Gonzalez, I think. Like, there's not a, there hasn't been a huge list of elite Padres home run hitters until. Well, Will Myers hasn't shown up to the plate. Uh, he's not. He. I might. <laughs> instead of are we done with Hedges, it might be are we done with Will Myers. I'm. Like, Ouch. I'm. I'm already probably already so done with Will Myers that that's why he. I'm not even bothering talking about him because 
the hedges one is a conversation, I think, a fun one. Who's defending Will Myers right now? What's not, he, e- not even the dirt. What's he done? He had a, I mean, he had a couple of really good seasons. A lot of high expectations, too. Former number one overall, or uh, from, former number one prospect in baseball. Yes. Traded a few times. Had some good years. People, Pottery fans kind of, well, like they know about it, but I feel, feel like no one really appreciated his 30, 20 years. Like he had a couple, he had one 30, 20 year and then another one that was close, but he was on bad teams and like no one really cared. He had some good years and he's been terrible this year. It's the year we have all these expectations. He's been bad. Hmm. I took the over on uh, a Vegas line and 20 and a half home runs this season and felt really good about it. And I still feel good about it, but I'm just, now I'm kind of worried he's not going to get the playing time if he just sucks. Anywho. We got that, those topics. Plus, we're going to reveal a few of my – I mean, I just finished my top 30 prospect list, and that's going to go for the pod race, that is. That's going to be on our website very soon. By the time you're listening to the show, it'll be on our website. Pottery's top 30, a few who just missed, and a little blurb about each one to get, get you guys excited. So that's going to go up, and we're going to talk about a few of them. Cool. Let's get to the, the real show. Cut to the chase. With some news. So, news. Big news. For me, this is really big news because, first of all, pitching has been really thin. And what pitching there is, starting pitching, that is, uh, is all left-handed for some reason. Lucchese, Lauer, Strom, Robbie Erland. Get the hell out of here, Robbie Erland. I'd be okay if I never saw Robbie Erland again. But, uh, young stud who came up a few years ago with the Padres, uh, someone that we were blown away by at the time because at, at the time we hadn't seen guys throw 98, 99 before in a Padre uniform and was striking everybody out. Outstanding slider. We're talking about Denelson Lamette. So Lamette, Tommy John, comes back. He's missed like a year, year and a half. And he got his first start the other day against the Dodgers. And, I mean, it was predictably a little up and down. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's his first, his first start in the majors in over a year and a half. So five innings, three runs, a couple walks, two, seven strikeouts. This is this, what you expect from him. So he strikes – he's going to strike out a ton of guys. We've always expected that. He's always done it. Uh, the last time he pitched for the Potters was 2017. He had 21 starts, struck out almost 11 per nine. So – that's awesome. And if he returns healthy from Tommy John, which I don't know what the numbers are currently, it's somewhere between like 50 and 80% based on how old you are. So you can kind of flex, fix those numbers. Like older guys over 30 return at like 50% of the time to what they were, or like what they were. Younger guys come back at a better rate. Anyway. But the speed comes down. Sometimes it goes down. Sometimes it stays where it is. And sometimes it goes up. How do we, I don't know how we predict these things, but. Uh, I think most of it's just based on age, mm-hmm. how well you can recover from it and how fast you're going to throw when you come back. But this year he's pitched at high A a few times. He's pitched at El Paso, AAA for uh, a few starts. It hasn't really been that sharp and wasn't super sharp in the game against the Dodgers, but I'm just happy he's back. And then when we're talking rotation outlook for the rest of this year and for next year, it's awesome having that hard throwing righty in the rotation when one day you're facing Lauer, Luke Casey, and then the next day you're getting Denelson Lamette. 
And then Garrett Richards is going to come back next year. They traded for him in the offseason, and they knew this was going to be just a wasted year for Richards. But the rotation's kind of coming together for next season, and I don't think they need to add anything in free agency. I kind of hope they don't. Preller huh, sometimes scares me a little bit, Preller. So he's very active. Go on. Saying? Go on. <laughs> he tried very hard to sign Pablo Sandoval a couple years ago, and he tried really hard to sign – yeah, he wanted to put him on Weight Watchers. He he tried really hard to sign <laughs> that uh, Jasmani Tomas, who Sorry, went to the Diamondbacks. Like those would have been terrible signings. Right. Both we were the Padres are so lucky they didn't get stuck with those contracts. Because what the fuck would they do now if they had Pablo Sandoval on the roster and Jasmani Tomas money on the roster, just eating money? Still paying Matt Kemp, but what like <laughs> what the hell would we? There would be no wiggle room with these contracts on the books. So. I don't think there needs to be another pitcher added because of Lamette coming back because of Garrett Richards coming back. And then all the young guys, Paddock's going to be kind of turned loose next year. Um, and Mackenzie Gore might even be an option next year. And Luis Patino might even be an option next year. They're very young, but they could be late season additions. If guys get hurt, guys are pitch counts or whatever. But I'm, I'm basically, I'm just stoked to have Lamette back because I think he adds uh, a much needed, right-handed boost to the rotation. I don't know why teams started going so hardcore, like left-handed dominant. I'm sure there's something in the stats. I don't, maybe I'm, I'm sure like usually I don't think it's on purpose. I think teams just kind of get pitching where like starting pitching is hard to find in major league baseball. Good starting pitching. If you're, if you're going off of like, like the Dodgers are all Sabre, lefties too, but that's, it's just, that's what I'm saying. I think if it's you're going just, off of Saber metrics, it's I'm, just kind of who they have. I want to say the numbers are going to skew more to the left because of the rarity of having lefties. Right. And since we are in the national league, we need to have some sort of advantage, right? Maybe, maybe they can hit, I don't know. You get what I mean? Like maybe there's something. Under I think it. you're reaching. I'm I think trying. it's, I think it's just <laughs> I'm trying man. availability. I think okay. pitching's really hard to find. And if you get, yeah, reliable starters, and they just happen to throw left-handed. You're just like, whatever, man. We'll, we're throwing four lefties out there. Fuck it. That's what we have. I'm not going to not start the guy because he's left-handed. Right. But it's nice to be able to just throw in the righty now, and especially Lamette, who throws as hard as almost anybody on the team. And I think maybe that's now the the, the cue for the switch. Maybe now they're going to start looking for more righties to switch up the National League. Because I've been noticing there's a lot of lefties. just like A lot of general. good lefties, yeah. yeah it's sure. not just lefties. It's a lot of good ones. Um, and it's good for the game, but at the same time now, I think it's we're going to start skewing over to righties, and there's going to be more home runs. That's my prediction. Ugh, interesting. <laughs> this one really made me sad. So good news, Lamette's back after this really long uh, out, like absence is the mm-hmm. word I'm looking for. Absence. Sabbatical. Sure. One of my favorite players, I have his T-shirt. It says franchise on it, spelled F-R-A-N-C-H-Y-S-E, franchise. Hmm. I think that's how it's spelled. Anyway, Franchi Cordero, one of my favorite players, is out with a quad injury. He started the year with the Padres, had some, what was it, at the beginning of the year, elbow issues or something, and has just been kind of working his way back slowly. And now he's got a quad injury down in AAA. He's going to be out till September, and that just makes me really sad because – it's a long time. His name's amazing. The guy's <laughs> named Franchi. Come on. Uh, he's one of the fastest guys in baseball. We saw him play for an extended time last year, and 
the ball explodes off his bat. He just looks like a really simple, easy left-handed swing. And somehow he's got some of the highest exit velos in the game up there with anybody. Some of the longest distance home runs of anybody in the game. And it, like he was leading the league last year in exit velocity and in home run distance. Hit a ball in Arizona that's still like, still traveling. Fucking still going, yeah. <laughs> he he hits bombs. He's just a, such a fun guy. To, like, where do you see that? Fastest guy on the team and the most power on the team. Has little contact issues. Uh, Trout. A little suspect <laughs> in outfield. I thought he I thought he was gonna be a dynamic outfielder and he has he has flashes of it, but a little inconsistent. I've seen balls go over his head where he misjudges them in center. Not that Margot's blowing my pants off or anything. But capable center fielder too, so you like that, because they have no one else that can play center field. I don't I don't love Myers out there anymore. It's just it's just crappy news that Fran Franchi's gonna be gone for a while. Pair him with Ty France. With France and a Franchi on the same team, all right. Like, the universe just like fucking explodes. Should be marketing this to France more, getting the French audience into to baseball. We've got France and Franchi on the same team, but not anymore because he's fucking hurt. So that's sad. This one gets me a little upset too. So some good news followed by two bad newses, uh, and like I'm upset about it, but. I understand it a little bit. Fernando, Fernando Tatis is not an all-star, and that pisses me off. Boo! That was... <laughs> ugh. He hasn't played in as many games as most guys. He's, he missed about a month with that groin, ham, quad injury, whatever it was in there. You don't see like you don't like seeing a man do the splits, even though he's 20 years old and he can, he can bend in ways that I've never been able to bend. But... Missed about a month, so the at-bats aren't there, the plate appearances aren't there, the qualifiers. I don't know if he qualifies for batting title yet because the numbers are – I don't – whatever. It's it's just really hard seeing him not represent the Padres at the All-Star game because I can't think of a more – I'm biased, obviously, but I can't think of a more <laughs> exciting player in baseball that you would want to watch. He's on the short list of who's the most fun to watch in baseball. And I know outside of San Diego – Maybe like the Orange County, L.A. area. Probably not many people have seen him other than divisional teams. Really small sample size to watch him play. But he I promise you, he's one of the, he's one of the younger, more exciting, dynamic players in the game. He's got a personality. He has charisma, showmanship, explosiveness. He does things on the bases. He does things in the in the field with his arm and his he's amazing to watch. One of the most fun guys to watch in baseball. And he's it just sucks. He's not in the all-star game. And he's not going to get to do something amazing that everyone gets to see. Because I don't feel like he's being appreciated enough for what he's done so far this year. Why else might that be? Other than he doesn't have the plate appearances? Yeah. I don't think he's being seen by people like other coaches man or managers that vote in the reserves and enough players. Maybe he's just too young and they don't want to. I don't know what it is. Uh, not enough people are seeing him. But Saturday, June 6th, he's hitting 321. With 12 homers, 12 stolen bases, a 389 on base percentage. And that doesn't count what I was talking about earlier, which is his dynamic play in the field and the crazy shit he does running the bases, scoring on a tag up to second base. The pop fly to second base scored on a tag up. Like that was all over Sports Center. That's how you get noticed. And he's been doing that all year, though. He's been doing that crazy shit. It's just, it sucks he's not being 
rewarded. And you know who made the damn all-star team over him? Paul DeYoung from St. Louis. Paul fucking DeYoung. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? And I looked at the, he's the only Cardinal represented. So I guess that's mm -hmm. why he's there. The mm -hmm. Cardinals don't have anyone else. So that's three shortstops now. It's Javier Baez, I get. It's Trevor Story, I get. Story's been amazing. He's been hurt also recently, but not for an extended period like Tatis was. But then it's Paul DeYoung, who's hitting 256 with a 339 OBP and 19 homers. 19, everyone's hitting 19 homers. It's crazy. Remember when at the All-Star break, if you had 15 home runs, you were, you were, a dude. You were having a really good year and you yeah. were basically on pace for 30 home runs? <laughs> no longer. And 30 home runs used to be this achievement. Right. Everyone has 20 home runs by the All-Star break now. And you're, everyone's on a 40 homer pace. It's insane. I'm telling you, man. Trying to get rid of uh, like the current major league leaders for home runs. But anyway, Paul DeYoung. <laughs> what are we doing? Why, Paul DeYoung? What are we doing if Paul DeYoung's an all-star and Tatis is not? That pisses me off. It grinds my gears. Paul DeYoung on the fucking all-star team and not. It's it. He's a cardinal. They had to send a cardinal. Too many shortstops. Tatis doesn't have the at-bats. It's just kind of a perfect storm of reasons why he's not there. Hopefully he gets in his reserve. Maybe we can – maybe there's an injury. There's always injuries. But just find a way to get Tatis there. The Padres are a good team. They've got one one guy at the All-Star game. It's Kirby Yates, a relief pitcher. That's the only guy you can send to the All-Star team. They've been basically 500 all year. Anyway, done with that. Speaking of <laughs> Fernando – his little brother signed with the White Sox, right. which is hilarious because oops, the White Sox also signed Fernando and Fernando was famously traded to the Padres in that Dodger. No. What? Fernando, why'd you say Dodger in there? Fernando signed by the White Sox, traded to the Padres, and you just threw Dodger? Dodger. So famously <laughs> traded to the Padres in that James Shields deal where the Potters were just trying to get rid of James Shields any way they could, and they took a flyer on a prospect who turned into Fernando Tatis and became the number one prospect in baseball. At the time, when he signed international free agency, he was like he was not one of the top prospects in that class. He was like number 30 on MLB.com, and he, he looked skinny as shit. But <laughs> it's just, it's just really, it's poetic that he his brother Elijah just signed with the White Sox and that's where Fernando signed and then was soon traded to the, uh, the Padres and we've, we've been laughing at the White Sox ever since. It's just, it's really funny to me. Um, also funny, Fernando on Instagram sent out a message congratulating his brother, a, a picture of him signing his contract with the White Sox. He's like, uh, what does it say in Spanish down at the bottom? I get the gist of it, but. Uh. Feliz de que ya es oficial. Te amo. Yeah, I can read it in Spanish too, but what does it fucking say in English? Happy now. Talking to the mic also. God damn it. Happy now that it's official, little brother. Okay. And then what's the, what's the English part at the end? Uh, it's in English. Just <laughs> P.S. He might get traded. <laughs> Hilarious. I don't think that was an intentional burn yeah, by Fernando. No, it is. Come on. The, the burn with the, with the emoji, emoji. The burn emoji is right there at the bottom. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's, he knows what he's doing. Maybe he did, but 
it's still funny. I don't care. So, all right, let's get to the main topic for today. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. The main topic for today. Main, main, main. International Signing Day, which is July 2nd. And as we mentioned, most guys sign on that day because they kind of like NBA free, free agency. All the deals are kind of done before the day comes. It's like the the worst kept secret, the unenforced collusion, collusion rules. Like no one's enforcing these things. These deals all get done weeks, months in advance. So anyway, this has been Priller's bread and butter since he came to San Diego. It's signing dudes from the international free agency class. And this was especially exciting because the last two years, the Padres could only sign players to the, to a max of $300,000 because of them famously blowing the budget in 2016, which not only curbed massive taxes on top of what they, so when you blow through your budget, the, whatever you spend is doubled. So they effectively spent $80 million in 2016 on <laughs> uh, f- international free agents and bonuses and overages penalties, all that combined, $80 million. Pew. So now they're free again. But now they're free. The rules have been changed a little bit. That was the wild, wild west of international free agency. It was fairly fairly new. The, the format was new in that more teams kind of knew this was – the way to get really good players. Like we've gotten good players internationally before, but now all the teams are buying in. And so spending just went insane. And so MLB saw that and was like, we have to fix this shit. <laughs> Regulate. Owner, you can't trust owners. We had we had classes about this in Spain <laughs> where uh, like La Liga is famously corrupt, but also poorly managed by all the teams because no one can fucking trust the owners to not spend more than they have because they all want to just win. And that's, that's a debate we've had with European, our European friends was salary cap versus no salary cap and salary caps exist because we can't trust the billionaire owners because they'll just, (laughs) they'll just lose all their money. And then the teams are run poorly. The league suffers the fan. It's just everybody's it's a trickle down effect of everything sucks. Now that's kind of why salary caps exist. It's, the ugly cousin that you just have to fucking deal with. Kiss. Is that what I'm calling? Okay. Anyway. Where are you going with this? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so now there's hard caps in international free agent spending. And the Padres have the top tier. So there's tiers of teams that all have the same amount. And it's $6.48 million. So the Orioles, the Phillies, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, the Indians, the Cardinals, the Rockies, the Royals, and the Padres all have that tier of money to spend $6.48 million on international free agents. You can trade a little bit of the money here and there only up to a certain amount though. It's you can't just trade all of it to someone. And then the next tier down there's, I mean, slightly less money and then so on and so forth. So the Padres have the top tier of money to spend and they get that because uh, they received the competitive balance pick in round B of the MLB draft which means baseball, these are confusing rules to explain, but basically 
during the draft, you get competitive balance picks at the end of the first round and the end of the second round. And it's kind of a, a lottery of who gets those picks. Round A, which is at the end of the first round. Round B at the end of the second round. And the Padres is one of the worst teams who were in that lottery. Didn't win, so they went to the end of round two, which is competitive balance B. And so they get rewarded with more international spending money because they had the, the second pick. It's You kind of know where I'm going with this? No. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Where does the rabbit come it's the play? It's the five-hour energy. <laughs> For reference, so this is confusing. Competitive balance round B was picks 70 through 77. So that's where these draft picks are coming from. And round A is, or competitive balance round A is where the Padres got Xavier Edwards a few years ago. So the end, the end of the first round is picks like 30 to 40-something. Anyway... They used that pick to get catcher Logan Driscoll, who we talked about uh, from George Mason on the episode where we talked about their first few draft picks of this year. So anyway, basically the days of spending $10, $11 million on one player, gone. gone. Uh, And for contrast here, the Nationals, who have the lowest amount of spending pool money, are at $4.3 million. So it's not that huge a difference, but when you're when it comes down to each player and maybe a few hundred thousand dollars makes the difference, that can matter. The Braves have zero this year. They're the only team with zero, and that's their punishment for signing violations from 2017, famously Kevin Maiton and a few other guys that end up losing all those guys in addition to getting penalized for spending in the future this year. And if you remember a while ago, we talked about the Dodgers doing the same thing. Uh, some people are really worried. This is the no one's talking about this story that the Dodgers might get fucked in a few years. Oh, I and think lose they are. and lose like Kiebert Ruiz and lose Yadier Alvarez, who looks like a bust, but a few other guys also. They might and Gabe Kapler might get suspended or who knows? Like there's some crazy shit brewing that no one's really paying attention to because like okay, the storm is off the coast right now and <laughs> it's raining and hailing and shit in the ocean, but no one really notices because we're on land, but it's fucking right over there and no one is prepared for it yet. And I think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. It's kind of like, I feel like um, on the complete contrast, if the Dodgers are to try to win, now is the time because if they don't, those fines are going to come back to bite them in they, the ass. Like yeah, they've hard. It looks or... great now for a few years because they've got the infrastructure and all the young prospects and stuff, but they know that they're on a ticking time bomb because they know that they did a lot. I hope they know. They, I, I'm smart sure enough. they know. They're smart. They know. They... Because, I mean, look, there's like a couple players. Um, the Warriors, they, they, we, everyone they... thought the Warriors were going to win like seven straight NBA titles. You, can, you <laughs> no, see how it disappears how it quickly, right? Right. <laughs> Durant leaves, Thompson gets hurt, like, Shit, now they're, like, maybe not even a playoff team. Like, that happens, the turnaround happened like that. Well. Like it happened to the Dodgers. I don't know about that quickly, because, I mean, basketball is. Basketball is different. Five on five. But, yeah. I mean, it, it can precipitously just, like, destroy the organizational's, like, infrastructure. And I think that is increasingly problematic for the Dodgers. But then at the same time. It gives the advantage to a team like San Diego, who if they can come in, they're right there. They're, they're they always poised. do. Inter- international Day, here we come. So let's get let's get back to International Day. So 
Maybe some people don't realize how important these international free agents are because, A, they're sometimes 16. They're really <laughs> fucking young. Yeah. And they can take four, five, six years to make the majors if they even make the majors. Some guys fizzle out. If, we never even hear about them. If. If ever. Yeah. They're from places outside the U.S. Most. So. Most, most times. They're well, international free agents, they're always outside the U.S. <laughs> Um, and there's a very small <laughs> number of people who even know a lot about them because they're from outside the U.S. Much less how the process even works. So even like the really smart guys in the in the industry, the scouts, they they see the video that we're looking at sometimes, or they're just hearing reports from other scouts who fly overseas to watch uh, them play in the, person. The, get access to data is rough. And you're just still. watching a fucking 16 year old. Who who knows? Right. So we're going to get into that, how teams miss hard on some of these stars in a second. But there's so there's only so much we can glean from these guys other than, oh, Preller really liked him. The report I read online was really good. I'm good. Who, so who do the Padres get? According to MLB.com, in the top 30 international – they, they do 30 deep, and frequently there's guys outside the top 30 that – jump in and are awesome. So Fernando Tatis was one who was 30. Ozzy Albies, for example, was not ranked. Acuna was not ranked. We're getting to that in a minute. But number 15, they got number 15, Ismael Mena, outfielder from the Dominican Republic. They signed him for $2.25 million. So ranked 15, but Preller paid him the ninth most of any international free agent mm. signed. So that tells you a little bit about what Preller thinks of him. Ballsy. It just indicates to me that uh, that's maybe the Padres are – well, not maybe, but the Padres are definitely higher on him than <laughs> the scouts at MLB.com. Sure. My ear is killing me. Do that. Number 19 in the class, Brian Medina from Venezuela, right-handed pitcher, signed for $700,000. That's like, it's, it's not a, a ton of money. For these guys, the, the top players usually go, I think we saw Wander Franco a few years ago go for like $4 million, Vlad, kind of the same. Um, the top guys go for like, maybe if you're going to blow your budget on someone, it's 3 $4 million, kind of that range. A healthy number is like $2 million, which is what we gave Mana, and Medina is making less than a million. So that's not crazy money. Number 22. I'm getting a thought. Hold on. Number 20, let me get these out. Number 22, Reginald Preciado. Reginald, okay. From Panama, shortstop, $1.3 million. So paid, they're paying him more than Medina, but ranked lower. Another thing, kind of an indicator of what the Padres thought of him. He's the best prospect in Panama. So that's something. And uh, Luis Gutierrez, left-handed pitcher from Venezuela, who is not signed yet. He's not even 16 yet. He's not eligible to sign until July 31st is when he turns 16, but he's been linked to the Padres. So what do you got for me? I mean, since they're, they're, they're tightening the belt on how much you can spend, right? It's also forcing like teams doing their, their national draft picks, right? To, to basically, I guess, be more focused on who they're picking who are American as opposed to funneling more money into international 
I don't think the money has been affected in the. In no, the no, no. But I'm like, because of because of the wild wild west situation is no longer like valid. Your talent's not going to be as cheap. They're 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 tightening up on who you can pick up internationally versus uh, nationally, and because now you can't afford to pick up like whoever you feel is the right piece at any price internationally, which might actually be cheaper in the long run you now have to be a little bit more focused on who you're picking nationally and so i don't know about that 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 also can start shifting the the demo of like what's going on in baseball because now teams are going to have to be a little bit more cognizant of like who are we going to pick up and why sure anything no changes domestically i'm, I'm, I'm just like i'm reaching I yeah i know that, you're but... you're throwing something out there and i'm yeah. i'm thinking about it too it's just i'm not sure the approach for the, the domestic draft changes at all. The implications, like, in the future. What are, what are the implications? So you're not going to be able to pick up a player, or rather... I know what the implications are internationally. Yeah, you can't sign anyone you want for any amount of money. That affects and what, that, that affects your like how you approach your scouting and who you are targeting in the international market. I don't see how it translates to anything, any approach different in the domestic draft. Because now you're limited on how much you can spend, right? And so the, the domestic draft does not does not get affected at all. The money you spend on the draft is the way it's been. It goes up, it goes up incrementally every year, just like every other pro sport draft. I don't know. But I would imply, like, I'm 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 saying like most teams are probably going to spend more internationally than they would have domestically before. Yeah, they did. Right. And so now, way more, right? They did. And so then, those international players, like, what's going to happen to their opportunities to come over here and like actually do something? They're still very good. They're still, they're still, they're just not making as much money as they used to. That, or the top ones aren't. And then, what's that going to do to baseball? Like ten years down the line, they have less. They have less houses. The players. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. That's that's where I'm looking at it. And it's just like. It seems kind of like a. They can't buy the house in Aspen now. They have to stay. They have the one house in Miami Beach. That's the only, that's the difference. <laughs> I think it's more than that, but. Okay, so why does why does this matter? So all these guys who just signed with it, we went through, and then John threw us off onto a topic that went nowhere quickly. Why does this matter? Who are some international guys that are studs from recent years? Did a little diving into this. Younger, exciting players. Like, if I asked you, who's one of the younger, more exciting players in baseball? I mean, we talked about Tatis already, but who would you say stands out to you just off the top of your head? Otani. Otani? Okay. Well, <laughs> international signing. Yeah. Who else you got? Tatis. You're a pile of use uselessness. <laughs> so, I think of Ronald Acuna, okay. who was a borderline MVP candidate last year as a borderline MVP candidate this year. He's 21 years old. He's second year signed in 2014 internationally, not ranked signed for a hundred thousand dollars. Teams were passing on him left and right. I was reading an article about teams that want to go scout him and they like, they liked him, but they saw too many flaws and they didn't want to make, they didn't want to risk signing him. They're like, yeah, we like him, but I don't want to spend a hundred thousand dollars on him. Like I'd like him for cheaper, but I, there's other guys that like more. The, those scouts are just sick right now, thinking about what they missed on. 
Ozzy Albies, 2013, not ranked. Signed for $350,000. Vladimir Guerrero, 2015 class. He was the number seven prospect. So, big difference. Fernando Tatis Jr., we mentioned, 2015 class, same year as Guerrero, but number 30. Gleyber Torres, 2013 class. He was the number three prospect. So you're kind of seeing guys signed from all over. There's guys not ranked. There's guys up high. There's guys kind of in the middle. Juan Soto, 2015 class, number 25. Preller's big haul from 2016. The top guy was Adrian Morajon, number three in the class in 2016. And the book's yet to be out on him yet. Like, he hasn't made the majors, and he's, but he's progressing. Cuban dude. And then Wander Franco, 2017, along with Otani, who was number one. Wander Franco's the number one prospect in baseball right now. And I don't think you could get him from the Rays. Negative. Good, right good luck. Um, Go fish. But, like, we're seeing these are the best prospects in baseball. Eloy Jimenez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis, Gleyber Torres. These are these are stud guys. And you get some of them at the top, and then some are some are where the Potteries are picking. Like number five, we're talking number twenty nine, number twenty two, number nineteen, number fifteen. There's a good chance one of those guys hits. Because what we're seeing, if you go th- look at through all the the draft classes, international free agent classes, I should say. They're, they're littered with guys that are making an impact either as top prospects currently or as guys already contributing in the majors quickly, young guys. It's fascinating. It's basically a second draft. Guys are, teams are getting a second chance to add young talent to the farm system. And you're seeing hitter, hits and misses at the top like with any other draft. So from 2015, the number one guy, we've talked about him a lot, Yadier Alvarez. That you got to be made eleven million dollars as the number one guy that year, and has been kind of terrible. And then you get stars. Other guys that are number one or number two are stars. On ranked guys become the top prospect in baseball. It's 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 just crazy to, to see the the fluctuation. Like you don't need to get the best guy every year. It's kind of like at the draft. You get the number one pick, you could very easily miss on it. But the guy that number that was number ten is a fucking stud. So top guys this year. Uh, one guy who's not signed. He's I think number six or number seven overall. I have no idea where to pronounce this name. Is it Cuban shortstop? Are you looking at the show notes right now? What? How do you pronounce that guy's name? Yidi. He's Cuban. So Cuban names I throw out the window. I have no idea how to pronounce some of these Cuban names. Yidi Capi. You think it's Capi? C A P P E. Yidi Capi. That's a... Um, I'm not even going to wonder where that came from. Best name in the class, though. We talked about him before on the when our old Angels show. Arol Vera, who's got that built-in sponsorship opportunity with Aloe Vera. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Yidi Capi has not signed yet, but he's been linked heavily to Miami. Not surprising that Miami is gets a lot of these Cuban guys. They got... Uh, you don't you don't say. Who was that? Uh, who were the Cubans last year, the brothers that both went to Miami? Victor, Victor, and Victor, Victor Mesa. 
Right. Yeah, Victor Vic. That's a hard name to forget. Anyway, they they as humans, I mean, strong Cuban culture in Miami. Uh, the weather's like basically the same. That, that <laughs> it's, makes it. It's ninety miles. I would I would like that if I was a Cuban player. It's really appealing. Go play professional baseball. I don't care if the team sucks right now. I'm twenty years old. It's gonna be good when I get there. That's that's what you think. And you're gonna be very. The culture shock's gonna be very minimal. When you other than, you don't need to worry about being, like kidnapped and shot in your home when you're, too soon. Doesn't happen. That's the big difference between Miami and Havana. So I'm told. No. No. <laughs> anyway, he's been linked to Miami. So even though he's, he hasn't signed yet and he's probably not going to sign this year, I've seen a couple of reports from people, Baseball America guys, Keith Law, uh, he's going to sign next year maybe for something like $3.5 million to go to Miami. No. So that's that. But top guys the Padres got. Let's start with Ismail Mena, who is the number one guy they got. Scouting director Chris Kemp, this is a quote from him, talking about Mena. Really good athlete, projects to have plus tools. Okay, cool. He's got a smooth left-handed swing. He's going to be a real nice prospect for us. So fascinating quote from Kemp. Uh, scouting director. I mean, he's going to say that about anybody. But other scouts, not him, are saying he looks like a top-of-the-order hitter. Maybe not big power, but a swing geared for contact, lots of hard contact, good plate coverage, good plate discipline, looking like an advanced hitter. And to me, I like hearing stuff like that. So sounds like he's smart. Sounds like he studies his craft, works on his game. Guys like that who already have the present tools of the good athlete slash the good hitter, like kind of built into them, seems more likely to succeed to me than like a young kid who's a little more wild, unbalanced, uh, directionless. He sounds like a, he has the mindset to be a professional baseball player at a young age. Uh, that's what I, that's what's really hard to scout is like, what's his mindset going to be as he develops? Is he going to, just be a, the guy that thrives on natural talent. And I, to me, that guy is Manny Machado, the guy who doesn't work as hard as some other guys because he doesn't need to. He's gifted with the natural talent. I don't think that ages well. But the young guys who work hard at it turn into like Tony Wins, like the guy who had the natural talent, but also pioneered the video scouting for on pitchers and worked harder than anybody at their craft. Like that, you turn into Tony Gwynn when you when you combine those two things—the natural talent and the the work ethic. So, also, notes on him: above average speed, covers the outfield well, adds some stolen bases. I I like the signing a lot. Man, it sounds like a fun guy. What are you working on over there? Nothing. Brian Medina. Considered one of the best pitchers in the class. Lean, long, projectable, 93 to 97 on the mound. Which, honestly, I don't need from my teenage prospects. Like, But if it's easy gas, which it sounds like it might be, then I'm fine with it. As long as he's not max efforting all the pitches, you know, he's blow out his elbow in a couple years. 
But when I see guys that young throwing that hard, I think of in the pottery system, Anderson Espinoza, who just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He was he was 19, 18, throwing 99 in the, in the Red Sox system, and they got him in that Drew Pomeranz deal, and I was really excited about him because I was invested in him in like a long-term dynasty league. Uh, international free agent signing and got a lot of money, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I'm thinking of Jesus Lazardo this year on the A's, who has that dynamic fastball also, along with a lot of other stuff, command, curveball, best changeup in the minors. But he throws really hard, and he's had trouble staying healthy this year. Just guy, really young guys throwing that hard just kind of worry me. I don't need my teenager to throw 97, but he's got command, which is great. He doesn't look like he's throwing max effort, which is great. Makes me a little more comfortable. Pitchers are already a crapshoot anyway, so take this all with a grain of salt. But if you're going to sign an international pitcher in this class, Brian Medina is one of the better ones. So that's I think that's a good signing. I like. I mean, Morihon. We've had success with international pitchers before. Morihon, uh, Michael Baez, or Michelle Baez. I don't actually know how you pronounce his first name. Getting the shrug shoulder from John. Michelle, Mitchell. Michelle Bias, anyway. I don't know. I know I know some people who are called uh Mikael too. But and it's spelled like Michel or Michelle. M I C H E L is how he spells it. I've actually never heard it spoken other than by me. So I have no idea who <laughs> I see it written a lot. Total crapshoot. But I don't know. <laughs> I've heard Michelle and I've heard I might yeah, I might maybe Michelle. Anywho. Reginald Preciado. Talk to him. It's like, no, dude, it's Michael. Reginald is, a, <laughs> Reginald is just a hilarious name. I think of like a butler when I hear the name Reginald. <laughs> Reginald. We'll have the tea in the parlor, Reginald. Preciado. Shortstop from Panama. Like I mentioned, he's the best prospect in Panama this year. Had no idea. What Seems like a real about. shortstop. He's someone who will stay at the position. He's bigger. He's 6'4". But we've seen guys, you can stay at shortstop and be 6'4 now. Guys are more athletic than they used to be. So, Corey Seager, although not the greatest example, he's hurt. But Tatis is a big dude. Machado came up as a big dude, and he could still clearly play shortstop, other than he's got Machado to deal with. You can be 6'4 and play shortstop. He has the hands for it, which you always look for. He's got the arm for it, which you always look for. So, combine. He's what you're looking for. He's what you're looking for at short. He can play shortstop. <laughs> If in a you know in a few year in six or seven years when he's ready, Machado's at third and or uh, Tatis is at third and Machado's been sent to the moon by then, then so what? Like you move him to third when he's ready. It's a it's a, it's a revolving door of shortstops becoming third baseman. Anywho, thanks, Alex. Offensively, I don't know what that means. He's a Rodriguez switch hitter. Oh, good example actually. Rare, a rare good contribution from you on that. Uh, switch hitter. His father was signed by the Yankees as a first baseman outfielder. Fizzled out in rookie ball back in the day. This is courtesy of the San Union Tribune. Give me that nugget. It's a good nugget. So he's got some major league bloodlines, which is all the rage these days. All the young kids are coming up and are good baseball players. Biggio, Guerrero, Acuna, uh, Tatis, like... That's that's a new thing. So maybe that's Preciado's route as well. Short swing, loud contact. That's via Kemp, Chris Kemp, who, who's the scouting director, says that about him. 
defensively rates us like a 70. So can play shortstop and add something with the, the hit tool also, then I'm good with them. Other guys are looking at outfielder Jose Cordero from the Dominican Republic and shortstop Adrian Perez from the Dominican Republic. So those are those are the guys that the Padres have been targeting this year. You good with that? C. C. That was deep. We still got a lot more shit to do. <laughs> I went ham the other night, so like I've got shit prepared. Next thing I wanted to get into today was Hedges, our boy. Austin. Sadly, not playing that well this year. So Hedges in the future of the catching situation. Wah, wah, wah. Not, not quite there yet. Oh, okay. So this is stat of the day, uh, courtesy a friend of mine, but courtesy a Twitter user, lover of shrimp. I don't know why that's his Twitter name. And I don't know how he got this stat, but probably... Also probably from someone more reputable than Lover of Shrimp. I'm sure he got it from somewhere good. But Austin Hedges, our boy, our dreamy-eyed, handsome-faced, gold glover, future gold glover, is one of only is one of the ten worst hitters in MLB history with at least a thousand plate appearances. Worse than Bartolo? With at least a thousand plate appearances. I don't <laughs> think Bartolo's got a thousand. <laughs> and four of the guys in front of him on this list, didn't play after 1919. So, <laughs> so fuck. Uh, reaction. <laughs> Dead ball error. What's your reaction there? <laughs> Dead ball error. That's a terrible stat to hear if you're hedgy. And he's had some moments of being a good hitter. Like last year, he had almost hit 20 home runs. And a few years ago before that, he was tearing it up in AAA. Like you thought, oh, maybe he's going to turn into a capable Offensive player, and he—I've heard him in interviews Nay. say like his goals as an offensive player are Nay. to become, like, just be a difficult out. That's like what he wants to do, and like, <laughs> that's not happening. He's been a really easy out. So here's what he's doing this year. Sure, through I'll... Saturday, hitting a buck eighty-eight. <laughs> Anytime you mention batting average with a buck, blow just Anything. like it's it starts just with like, a buck. Wow. You don't want to start with a buck. Uh-uh. So a buck eighty-eight. That's wa- six home runs. Walmart prices, bro. Dollar store prices. Ugh, and a 251, 251 on base percentage through 191 plate appearances. This is this is a terrible year for him. And he's getting he's supposed to be getting older and wiser and better. And he's ta- <laughs> fuck. Defensively, okay, this is where he shines. He's thrown out 43% of base runners this year. Guys don't no one wants to run on hedges. And a lot of this has to do with, um, I mean, those numbers I think are a little misleading. Not Hedges' numbers necessarily, but catchers in general. It's kind of also up to the pitcher because I've seen sometimes historically some of these guys are so slow to the plate and have no moves to first. I think of Tyson Ross who couldn't keep anyone on. Catchers wouldn't even throw the ball to second because they would get these massive jumps off of Tyson Ross. It doesn't. You could have a you'd have a cannon set up at home plate that would fire the ball to second, and you wouldn't get anyone. They're already standing on second by the time Tyson's <laughs> throwing the ball. So nothing you can do there. Uh, and some of the pottery, all these lefties are keeping guys on base on keep on first. Lauer's got one of the best pickoff moves in baseball. Well, that helps. Helps a ton. Yeah. But also Hedges is just a dynamic thrower, and so is Mejia actually. His fielding percentage is nine ninety one as a catcher. 
awesome. Like that's not, this isn't first base where everyone has 991. <laughs> Fuck you, Eric Cosmer, who's been terrible this year. But 991 would be one of the, would be the highest of his career so far, his short career where he's been great every season. This would be the highest. And we're only through half the season, but according to baseball prospectus, he is a distant number one in framing runs hmm. among all catchers and fielding runs above average, which is a stat on baseball prospectus number one. And I think we need to get a baseball prospectus guy on here to talk about what these numbers mean exactly. But Hey, number one and number one, number ones, love number ones. And a 1.1 defensive war on baseball reference. Is it a catcher? Not bad. No one, like, no one does that. <laughs> runs it like that high a number halfway through the year. If you're getting a two runs above replacement just from catcher, fuck yeah. And another stat, this is via Stat Corner. Hedges, again, we're talking about baseball framing as a catcher, which is one of the most important things you can do until robot umpires take over and then <laughs> shit. Hedges out of a job. But... According to Stat Corner, he is considered the best framer in baseball. Second is Christian Vasquez, then Tucker Barnhart, Yasmani Grandal, JT Realmuto, who everyone was praising for how great he was defensively, is eighth on that list. So that's just kind of for reference. The stat is RAA. This is runs above average. Hedges is 15.2. Second place is Vasquez at 12.4. Just a, just a huge lead on second place. So that's how good Hedges has been defensively. Pretty much the inverse of what he's been offensively. He's been terrible offensively and outstanding defensively. So what do you make of that? You're a former catcher. Like, what does that mean to you? So with catchers, you always get a mixed bag. It's either they're going to be really, really, really good defensively or they're going to be really, really good offensively. It's like the Mike Piazza. Like you need to find a place for it. Like he came up as a catcher and he's just not not the best catcher, but he's so good hitting. hitting you got to have him. You got to put him there. Yeah. Like Gary, We're seeing that with Gary Sanchez this year, who's right. had a big bounce back season. So... I had no idea he was number one in so many different categories. Killing it. Like, yeah. So. Nobody looks these numbers up either. Like, you just no, know it, you know he's really good, but you don't dive deeper into these and actually see how good he is. As a former catcher, he's a catcher. <laughs> he's a catcher. He's so it's good. like, these are stats that only, like, true catchers and pitchers would actually care about. Because it's like, it's it's part of... You forget I'm sure it. the Padres know. That's you, why he's you, you forget about still it. out there. You forget about like how important having a good catcher is. Doesn't behind, show, yeah, it doesn't show up play. on the box score. It, when, does, it just doesn't. When he goes 0 for 3 with 3 strikeouts. Right. But the contributions defensively, like maybe he's just like a presence on field. Maybe he's just an on-field general for the team. Uh, and that's enough for them to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bite that bullet. And it's okay if you, you know, strike out every time. <laughs> so long as you can call a good game, keep the runs down, and they're just, they're just, letting him know. play. And Mejia's back now. Mejia was hurt for a little bit. Rehab assignment has been back, and Hedges was playing a lot in the first half, and right. maybe that has something to do with it. Getting exposed, playing a lot of innings, it wears on you over the course of a season. We see for all sure. the time catchers offensively who have really good first halves generally have a worse second half. And it's noticeable because it's a physically demanding position to play every day. And the second, by the time the second half comes around, 
you're you're Tired. spent. Yeah, you need. <laughs> so we're seeing the two catcher system. <laughs> two catcher system is like mandatory now in baseball. Right. And now Mejia is the hitting catcher, and Hedgie is the defensive catcher. I'm good with that. I'm, that makes me happy. I like I like the the apples and oranges, the two different styles. And I think the Dodgers like are doing the same thing with having uh, Martin in there, having the veteran. And I think they're doing the veteran route. Yeah. Have a veteran. But someday it's going to be Will Smith and Kiber Ruiz. Right. Kind of the same thing. Although Will Smith might be able to hit. It looks right. like he can hit. So it's like have a, have somebody who you can rely on defensively, have somebody who you can rely on offensively, have somebody who you can rely on to manage them. There's your vet. There, there's your sign. There's your sign. You know what's going on. So who's behind Hedges? I mean, we talked about Mejia. So what's the future of the position look like? There's Austin Allen, who's mm-hmm. a top. I mean, let's go to my list. This could still this could move a little bit by the time it gets posted on Monday, but I am at 19 right now hmm. on my pros- top 30 list. So we we tease the prospect list. Here's a little little sampling. Austin Allen's at 19, and I think he's just I think he's a backup. We've seen him play a little bit this year, and it's hard to make judgments on such a small sample. But I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a regular. And catcher regular is different than other position regular. I, I see a guy that can handle 150 at-bats for a catcher, and that's that's your backup catcher, and he's going to get plenty of at-bats. The other guy, number 12 on my list, hmm. this is a real guy. This is Luis Camposano. This is a dude. And I'll read you I'll read you what I – this is, you know. Meticulously put together. Meticulously. Here's what I wrote on Luis Camposano. This is what the future of the catching position looks like for the Padres. The first catcher selected in the 2019 draft, known for his power tool. He was a helium prospect at the time. Kind of a late bloomer, exploded on the scene, got noticed for his power in his hit tool. Right now, I didn't, I didn't think the hit tool was going to be this good. He's competing for a Cal League batting title at high, at high A right now for Lake Elsinore. Still only 20 years old as a catcher in high A competing for a batting title. That reminds me, he's not this guy, but he, that reminds me of when Mejia was just hitting the crap out of everything when he was coming up in the Indian system. The test is going to be how he handles the progressively challenging position at the upper levels. So he's still only high A. He's fucking 20 years old. All indicators show he's a high character guy, great work ethic, passion for the game. I mean, that's all kind of platitudes. I mean, stuff that you can say about a lot of guys. <laughs> but... For now, he's slugging more than I thought he would. He's hitting more than I thought he would. And he's getting on base at a great rate. And has a, and can play catcher. He's a capable catcher. So that that that's your future catcher right there. And Hedge just came up when he was twenty two. Wasn't quite ready yet, but defensively definitely was. Like he was people said he was he was drafted out of high school. People thought he was ready at high school. Hmm. He was that good defensively. And Campuzano may be there 22, 23. I mean, that's when Hedges is going to be a little older, like your Buster Posey age, like right around 30. Mejia is a few years younger. Here comes Campuzano. That's that's the future of the position. So, I mean, I I am worried about Hedges. That's just being honest. Uh, What do you do do with – the catcher position going forward, you just kind of run with Hedges and Mejia combo and play the defense, play the offense, coin, like who does – you switch days. 
or maybe you just hope you don't, I mean, you don't see catchers bounce back second half though. They, they get worse second half. So that just, that's what worries me more too. I, I want to say maybe the, a good, a good way of looking at it is they probably have the, um, the probability stats of like what they need for the average to create the runs from the catcher's perspective. So it's kind of like, how many home runs does does, does Hedges have? He has six. Six. Which is low for he's You projected more at the beginning of the season. I would have projected 15 to 20. Hmm. And in this ball era, definitely right. more. So what's that mean? He's the one guy not hitting home runs. How much does the other guy have? Mejia hasn't Mejia No, no, yet. no. Nah. Who? Nah, yeah, he has none, right? No, he definitely does. Hold on. So Mejia only has 90 at-bats so far in San Diego this season, two home runs. And he, I mean, his numbers aren't very good either. He's hitting 211, but we think he's going to hit more. We're hoping he's going to hit more. He's, he's hit everywhere he's gone. So we just, for now, we're assuming. And he's younger. He's 23. And maybe, maybe the assumption is, like, if the catcher can produce somehow, uh, I don't know, like 50 RBIs overall, well, yeah, that'd be good. In you know, today's game, that'd be good. You know, like just overall, just probably just as a position, I think they'll be satisfied with that to help, like the whole hit two fifty with fifteen home runs and Kedge's defensive numbers. I'm, but that's what I'm stoked. That, that's that's kind of what I'm leaning on. Like maybe they have like a a set statistical number they're shooting after, where it's like if we can get our catcher right or catchers to produce these numbers, right? Then we'll be happy. And yeah. I guess I guess it's just kind of like we'll wait and see what happens. But we're gonna bet on the, the, the defense because the defense is, is like you can't you, it's hard to pay for that to buy that. No one else can do that. They're they're that's, way behind him. And that's the like we've seen the numbers. That's the, data. the key. Yeah. Um more than anything else I would say. Speaking of home runs last thing i want to talk about dingers padres are they an elite home run hitting team now and what does the future of pottery home runs look like they're not the yankees it's funny you say that john (laughs) who's the only team in baseball with two players as of today with at least 25 home runs on the same team is the yankees it's the padres there's no (laughs) other team in baseball that has two players with at least 25 home runs on the same roster Crazy stat, right? But this is also the first time the Padres have two close. A few, a few guys. I don't okay. know. Okay. I think Sanchez has twenty-four, so he'd be the second guy for the Yankees. There's some others. Okay. Anyway, this is as of Saturday. Uh, don't come at me. <laughs> Three hours later. <laughs> as of last night, actually, when I put it up. So uh, this is also the first time in Padres history that two players on the on the team have had 20 home runs before the all-star break Damn. and they have three <laughs> it's much it's Renbro, franimal okay and machado nickname rankings who's better Renbro or franimal 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 franimal's not mine but me and my uh padres group me chat i think i think we invented Renbro. i've never heard anyone else use Renbro. We don't refer to him as Renfro. It's Renbro. <laughs> Renbro. When he hits a home run, it's Renbro. It's all caps Renbro exclamation point home run. Anyway, 
Should we still trade one of those? Should the Padres still? Because no. the, the talk at the beginning no. of the year was the outfield's crowded. You're going to say no. Do you trade Renfro, Renbro, or Fran Mel Reyes? I don't know how you trade one of them. They're your best power your hitters. Big assets. Renbro just hit 26 the other day. Franimal has 25. How do you trade one of those guys? No, bro. <laughs> uh, Greg Vaughn, who in 1998 hit 50, 50 home runs. He's the most in Potter's history. He had 30 at the All-Star break. And so we're approaching the All-Star break in a couple days here. And we're not going to catch that, but. You never know. <laughs> and that was the height of the steroid era. And we're not too far from it. That's, that shows what this fucking baseball is doing. Adrian Gonzalez in 2009 was, I think, the last guy to hit 40 for the Padres. He had 24 in the first half. So mm-hmm. they've, they've passed him already. And so the league has seen historic home runs. The Twins, I mean, 16. <laughs> I heard 16 teams have already set first half records yeah. and are on pace to set new records for home runs. I the Twins like are this. on pace for the most home runs ever. The Yankees just had the longest or just set the record for most home runs in consecutive games, which is 31. Just for a month, they hit a home run every game. Just... <laughs> and the Potters are setting their own records. I don't like this ball anymore. It's too much for me. It's exciting for the first time in Potter history when you're seeing home runs because the Potters have never had this group of elite home run hitters ever. Machado still hasn't really gotten going. Tatis, you know, is going to get going and be a power guy. We've never had this group together. Right. So it's it's kind of fun from that point of view. But overall, does this feel like diminished at all? Because literally everyone is hitting the most home runs ever on their teams. Do any of these numbers even feel that special? Kind of a little bit feel special. But when it's Hunter Renfro, who you know is not – She's not an all-star, not even in the, not even in the damn home run derby. <laughs> Neither is Fran, Fran Mill. Do they, do they feel that special if you know like your player is not even that good? No. Kind of not, yeah. It rem- it's kind of like those Adam Dunn years where he's hitting 220 and 50 <laughs> home runs. It's like, yeah, it's kind of cool, but he's not that good. It's just, it feels a little diminished. It's, it's sad. And I'm I'm – I have a bit of a bone to pick because it's like I do – I grew up a, a a Barry Bonds fan, and it's kind of like this could be MLB's way of like we're going to get him off of that throne of being number one. Oh, that makes it so much better. So instead of the steroid guy having the record, you're going to have the – A bunch of other guys. Just like 15 other guys blow who, by it. Who within – and then if, if, And then if, they make the Hall of Fame, but Bonds can't. Exactly. That's – that that'd be dumb because if and this that, all that, happens at once, which it is, which because people... it, it's it's <laughs> hello, um, compound returns. <laughs> so we, we had the we had the steroid era, uh-huh. followed quickly by the I don't know what era you want the no attendance the era. empty space the empty space era, which was the ball's not juiced yet, but the players aren't juiced yet either. So it's just kind of this this era of normalcy for a few years. Should we move the? Uh... The, the field the or the standings a little closer to we, the line. Oh, my God. Everyone. Do you remember that? Just every park moved their fences in. Right. Post-steroids. Right. Because guys weren't juiced anymore. And now the ball is so, rounder, smoother. Seams are slightly lower. They've done the math on this. The ball 
is more aerodynamic. There's less drag on the ball, and it's going further. It gets the people. Do we call rolling. it the Do we call it the drag coefficient era? That doesn't really roll off the tongue, but that's kind of what the ball has become. It's right. not the juiced ball. It's not like a corked ball or anything, or a super ball, but the drag coefficient era because we're it's analytics age and there's math and baseball and nerds are running the game. Drag fo- coefficient ball. I'm calling it that. So that's the new era, and that that era doesn't it doesn't feel better than the steroid era to me because now everyone's hitting. 30 home runs and all these guys are going to average 40 home runs. That, that chunk of guys sitting 30 to 50 is huge. There's no one hitting 60 yet. Yet. That's what I'm saying. I mean, if Aaron judge could stay healthy and if John Carlos Stanton would put the weights down, maybe he'd stay healthy, but those would be the guys who do it. And like, what would happen hypothetically if we get somebody who can hit a hundred, you know, who could No, I don't think it's crazy. That's a crazy number. Home run after home run no. after home run. But you know who home. the player you know who the player who could break the record? Hmm. If I was gonna pick a player to hit sixty one, Christian Yelich. And I'm not yeah. just I'm not just saying that because he's leading the league in home runs right now. I agree. But I, he's yeah. he's shown his power his powers arrived. And combined with this ball, his his game I think translate he's not the big bulking Stanton judge. He's not the Hulk. He's he's big. He's strong. He plays in the the right park for it. He's an amazing hitter. Like he he's like the the Ted Williams kind of hitter who's just so good at hitting, like he just hits home runs by accident because he's just that good at hitting. And isn't trying to hit home runs. Like he's not selling out for it like everybody else is. Even even Bellinger's selling out. I don't know how his average is so high. Bellinger just sells out for home runs. It's sad. Same thing with Peterson. Watching but, watching them. I mean, I watch I watch a lot of the. Well, the, Peterson's come back down to earth. I've watched a lot of the uh, the Dodger games with my dad. And it's just like, <laughs> here goes another strikeout if he's trying. I just to think Yelich is by far the best hitter, and he's kind of the Ted Williams guy, in that he hits everything, and because he hits everything, just a certain amount are going to go out too because he just hits them so hard. And he's I got agree. he's his fly ball rates finally where it should be for his type of skill set, and I think he if anyone's gonna hit sixty right now it's him it's that type of player, he looks like it, and he'll he'll hit three fifty two or something just insane. So that's worrisome. That I mean that's where they're they're leading the game into, and so it's like. I guess I don't even want to say us traditionalist. <laughs> But seeing seeing the shift as a little kid of like watching baseball be more pitching dominant to being hitter dominant to being dead to being ball dominant. I can't I can't figure it out. The players adapt too quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the shift. And then the shift. <laughs> anyway. Uh, let's let's I get was, out. I was I was watching I was watching a game with uh some family members and they were like the fuck is going on like everybody's all on the right side i'm like it's a shift and they're like we don't do that shit like if if we were to do that like i'm just hitting the ball over there there's nobody over there all right let's get out of here so that's going to do it for today please follow our twitter account we have a new show twitter account at fire Farmhands, all one word so check it out if you enjoy the show please remember to subscribe we're on all your favorite platforms itunes stitcher google play tune in spotify iHeart. That's a lot of them. I listen on Stitcher. I'm a Stitcher guy. 
And apparently we're number one on Stitcher. Or we're the only ones on Stitcher. If not number don't say we're number one on Stitcher because that's very misleading. If you search Padres Prospects on Twitcher, we're the f- Stitcher. Twitcher? We're the, we're the first. <laughs> Twitch and Stitcher had a child and it was Twitcher. It'd be a good like meth podcast, Twitcher. <laughs> uh, where was I going with that? If you Google, if you search on Stitcher, Pottery's Prospects, I know the first one that comes up because I don't think anyone's doing a prospect show. Good info. You Lots can of- always find us at believe.com and at believe podcasts. Please be sure to leave your comments, questions, concerns, and a rating of the show on all your favorite platforms. You've been listening to Believe in Padres Prospects on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. For John, I'm Ryan. See ya. Just move on up toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. God forbid. Face it, Fry. Baseball was as boring as mom and apple pie. That's why they jazzed it up. Boring? Baseball wasn't... So they finally jazzed it up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.